here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Just like you have physical hunger, you get thirsty, you get hungry. God made you with spiritual hunger. He made you with a spiritual longing for him, a relationship with him. This woman had a desire, a desire that she tried to meet through relationships with others. We all know what it is to hunger and thirst in the physical sense. But have you ever considered that you also do this in a spiritual sense? Today's message focuses on that deep down desire that people have for something more, some meaning for life, some relationship that we know is better than what we have right now. Pastor Ed shares the story of the woman at the well to help remind us that the longing we feel can only be completely satisfied by one person, one relationship, Jesus. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, The Woman at the Well. The fourth chapter of the Gospel of St. John, we're just going to look at one verse, but we're really studying verses 4 through 42. In this chapter, you find the longest conversation recorded in the New Testament between Jesus and another person. He spoke more to this woman than he spoke to any other disciple recorded in the New Testament. It was a conversation that was pivotal in her life and in the life of those around her. One verse of scripture, John 4.10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. God will do anything to reach you. I mean, he'll come from heaven to earth. He'll even become a man. And Jesus, as he walked as a human being, exhibited this tenacity to reach people. He broke cultural barriers for a Jew to talk to a woman openly even if it was his wife, was taboo. A taboo. They wouldn't do it. They simply would not publicly talk, men and women, in a marketplace, out in the open. Jesus broke with all of that. Jesus was a rabbi, a holy man, and he talked to a woman with a checkered past. Jesus, the Bible says that he had to go through Samaria. In God's daytimer, there was a divine appointment with a woman who is on the outside, an outsider. She was on the fringe. But how many of us know that God knows where each of us are 
and no one escapes his notice. No one is simply lost in the crowd. There Jesus, following the leading of the Spirit, reached across barriers. Jews and Samaritans wouldn't talk to each other. There were centuries of animosity between them. But again, Jesus crosses the barriers and meets with this woman and offers her an incredible promise that would change her life forever. There was a thirst that she had inside, a desire she had inside that she wanted fulfilled, and she went about trying to fulfill it in all the wrong ways. But you'll note in the text that Jesus quenches our spiritual thirst. In the last great day of the feast, in John chapter 7, we're told that Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Just like you have physical hunger, you get thirsty, you get hungry, God made you with spiritual hunger. He made you with a spiritual longing for him, a relationship with him. This woman had a desire, a desire that she tried to meet through relationships with others. Jesus gives her an analogy. They're at this well, and she comes at noon, the hottest point of the day, and Jesus is sitting on the well, and he opens a conversation with her, and she's shocked, she's amazed that a Jew would talk to a Samaritan. And as the conversation goes on, he talks to her about spiritual water. He brings her from the earthly to the heavenly, from the natural to the spiritual. And there's a spiritual analogy that he is making. In verses 13 to 15, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come here drawing water. Now, she was thinking at first on a natural plane. She had come to Jacob's well, one of the patriarchs, and was drawing water. It was a well-known well. And Jesus promised living water. In her mind, she was thinking of water from a spring, water that would flow from a stream. That was the best type of water. Uh, But there she was, thinking of the natural, and Jesus is leading her into the supernatural, the spiritual, and he begins to address a great need that she had. She tried to meet this thirst in relationships with men. She thought after one failed marriage that marrying the right person, that's, that's going to be the answer. And that marriage didn't work. And then there was a succeeding marriage. Maybe she rebounded from one to another. Five marriages. Not unlike our time. 
Our icons, some of them married eight times, Elizabeth Taylor, had everything. But trying to satisfy something inside that nothing in this world can truly satisfy, that only God can satisfy because he created us with that spiritual desire for him. Jeremiah the prophet looked at God's people and bemoaned the fact that they were not going to him to meet their deepest spiritual needs. In Jeremiah 2.13 it says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Sometimes even believers try and satisfy the deepest needs of their life through occupying themselves with busyness. Sometimes people are climbing up the academic ladder. Another degree on the wall will somehow satisfy their souls. Sometimes people feel that it's the accumulation of accomplishments that they can keep in their mind like some trophy. And that's going to satisfy and give them a sense of purpose. But none of those things satisfy the God-given thirst that all of us have. She wanted that water, but Jesus wanted to take out the blockage, the things that would hinder her from that relationship. And so he's going to perform spiritual surgery in her life. The great physician is going to operate on her with skillful hands and a tender heart. He's going to go into her psyche, into the deepest recesses of her heart. Listen to the words in verses 16 to 18. He told her, go. Call your husband and come back. I have no husband. She replied, Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Jesus dealt with an issue that was so sensitive the very reason that she was at that well at noontime was because she didn't want to come early in the morning when the women of the town would be there or at dusk when the women of the town would be there for it was the woman's responsibility in that culture in that day to gather the water, to go to the well with buckets. They would approach the well and bring water back home. And this was the time, one of the few times, that women would have an opportunity to talk to one another. She didn't want to be there when they were talking. Because she was often the subject of conversation. Gossip about her past. Gossip about her life. She dreaded their stares. Their condescending looks. And now she's with Jesus. And he brings up the thing that she's most ashamed of. But he says it 
in such a compassionate way, filled with grace, filled with mercy. He asked her to take all the skeletons out of the closet and place it in front of the light of God's grace. Not every time when you come to church and suddenly you remember your sins, you remember something that's wrong in your life, something that's hidden, it's not always Satan, the accuser of the brethren. Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit because he wants you to deal with those issues and be healed from those issues because he always deals with sin with those tender, nail-scarred hands. He always, the wounded healer, desires to heal the wounds that are self-imposed in our lives. But like so many, she brings up a defense. She puts the walls up. You've been there. I've been there. Sometimes you're witnessing to someone. And you're getting real close to talk to them about their commitment to Christ. And the wall goes up. I don't think I'd ever go to church. There are so many hypocrites there. Well, you, you know, you make a convincing argument. But there's so much suffering in this world. Well... Why did God let this happen in my life? I don't know if I could believe in a God like that. Immediately, people bring up their defenses, and she does the same thing. She takes out a hot button, and she bangs on it. A contentious issue between Jews and Samaritans. A contentious issue that divided them deeply. Now, there had been centuries of division. But Jesus is going to open the door wide for her. The door to worship. Because we were created to worship God. In verses 19 to 20, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. She diverts the conversation. She moves the conversation from self to a theological issue. Now, theology is not bad to talk about. I know some people are afraid of the word, but you shouldn't be because it's theology that helps you to see life properly. Theology is a study of God. It's theology that helps you to understand every other ology. You look at sociology through the grid of theology. You look at psychology through the grid of theology. You understand anthropology through the glasses of theology. And so Jesus begins the theological discussion with her, a theological revelation. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Jesus said, they have it right, you have it wrong, but it's not going to be the location, Jerusalem and Samaria. It's something else, because God is looking for a certain 
type of worshiper. Listen to what he said. Yet the time is coming, and is now has come, when true worshipers will worship the Father, here's the key, in spirit and truth. In spirit and truth. It's the spirit that makes real to us the things of God. It's the spirit that helps us to worship God. It's the spirit that lifts up Christ. So to worship God in spirit, but also to worship God in truth. Those two things are important. You have to have the right understanding about God, knowing who he is. Some people just think that if a person is spiritual, they're okay. Recently, Rob Bell is all over the internet, conversations. I don't know, he said, if Gandhi is in heaven, only God knows. We know Gandhi knew about Christianity. And for sure he was a spiritual man and he was a good man, but he wasn't a saved man. Because a person is spiritual doesn't mean that they're going to heaven. Because there are right spirits and there are wrong spirits and a person can be spiritual. My Gary M. Berg, in the application commentary, he said, to have a spirituality, no matter how profound, that is not based on truth, should not be trusted. Worshiping God in spirit, God's Holy Spirit, leading us into the truth. And that's what the Holy Spirit has come for. In John chapter 16, verse 13, it reads, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Theological truth is important. Now, a technical word. Christological meaning the study of Christ, the doctrine of Christ, who Jesus is. She has a growing revelation of who Jesus is. At the end of the text, they're going to recognize him as Savior. They're going to recognize him as Messiah. You have to have the right understanding of who Jesus is. He isn't simply a good teacher. He isn't simply a miracle worker. He isn't simply some personage in history that set for us an example. No, no. Jesus Christ is God incarnate. And if we have it wrong about Jesus, our whole eternity depends upon that. Understanding who he is. You could have another Jesus, another gospel, the Apostle Paul tells us, and that gospel that isn't the true gospel won't get you to heaven. She understands in verses 25 to 26, the woman said, I know the Messiah called the Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Think of those words. Go back with me to just a couple of days. He's in Jerusalem. Nicodemus searches him out. A scholar, an intellectual, a man who had given his life to the ethical teachings of the Old Testament. One of the 6,000 Pharisees that lived at that time. This man can't grasp the truth. It eludes him. 
with all of his understanding, with all of his study, he doesn't get a hold of it. This woman, who is down and out, an outsider on the margins, has an incredible revelation of who Jesus is. And her life and the life of the community that she lives in is going to be dramatically changed forever. Sometimes it is so, so hard to reach religious people who take religion and are serious about it but they use it as a refuge to run from God rather than to God. And it's far easier to reach someone who recognizes they're a sinner and they've missed it and they've made a mess of things. Here she is and she's moving close to the kingdom ready to receive the gift and once she receives it her life will be turned around. The door is open to true worship and she's recognizing the worthiness of Christ. Watch her accept the gift. In Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. It's a gift, not something to earn, not something we can work for, not something that we can have by our own attainments. And we must always and forever realize that our salvation and our relationship with God is not something that we've earned. It's something that God has given us And that will always, always, always cause us to walk humbly with God because he dwells with the humble and the contrite of heart. In Jerusalem, deaf ears, blind eyes, hardened hearts, a belief that never causes them to cross the threshold of commitment. In Samaria... People only have the Pentateuch and are off in their theology and off in their lifestyle. They see what Jerusalem doesn't see. They hear what Jerusalem can't hear. God, keep us from a religiosity. God, keep us from wrapping ourselves in tradition and self-pride. And self-righteousness. Watch what happens. In verse 39, you see a freedom from the past that she experiences. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Listen to what she said. He told me everything I ever did. She runs back to the community. The thing that she wanted to hide, the thing that she didn't want anybody to know about, the thing that she was most ashamed of, when Jesus took it in his hand, he washed it clean and made it new. He took her story and transformed it. And here she suddenly goes back to the town. He told me everything about me. Everything I've ever done. But now it's all different when she put it in the light of His grace and mercy. When we hide our sins, they hinder us. 
If you're listening today and you've recently placed your faith in Jesus, this has been a perfect message for you. The Gospel of John is one of the very best places in the whole of the Bible for new believers to begin studying. And it's not just for new believers either. For those of us who have walked with Jesus for some time, it's always a wonderful reminder of who we're following. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you'll find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith and to access an archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.